So parenting series. Uh, parenting series, as I said last week, I've never done a parenting series. Uh, I've always been scared about doing a parenting series because whatever I speak about it, I got to do it, right? <laughs> it's kind of like doing a marriage series. You know, Suzanne's always watching me very carefully, you know, taking notes, you know, said, hey, honey, remember you said this? No, she doesn't really do that, not too much. And um, so, but parenting series is something that we all need. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, well, Frank, I'm single. Well, you, you, you one day could have, could have children. Or you may be sitting here today and say, well, you know, Frank, I've got kids, but they're, they're old and grown, and, and maybe I, you have grandkids. Well, guess what? You have grandkids. You're still in the parenting process. Uh, you could be an aunt. You could be an uncle. You're still involved in that. Sometimes people come to you for, for that parenting advice. Why? Because you have raised children in the past. And uh, just because you have children who are grown doesn't mean that they're fully matured into adulthood. <laughs> so all of this we can use. And yes, students, even you today, I'm going to be talking to you as well, because don't think, oh, this is all about my parents, you know, we should just go, you know, hang out at Starbucks instead of be sitting here. Let me share with you, you're going to get something out of today's, um, today's message on parenting. And, um, and last week we talked about the uh, home plate the home plate uh, in, in parenting is, begins at home. So you should have received in your bulletin this diagram. Now, we passed this out last week, and uh, you will see this, um, this baseball diamond, and we're going to use it, this as an opportunity to share um, this parenting series. Now, you will notice that every base leads to another. I mean, after you, hit, after you, after you make a hit at home plate... Uh, and it's and it's you know whether it's fouled you know or or whatever you're ready to run to first base. You're ready to run to first base. Well, first base affects second base, and second base affects third base, and back to home. They all affect one another. And so uh, on your diagram, you'll find that uh, it all begins with home plate, and that is loving God, putting God first in your life. So in other words, connecting with God. It's all about connecting. Now, parents, this is actually your responsibility. This is your responsibility. Um, and, and the church, we come alongside you. We partner with you. Right now, there are children who are hearing the Word of God. And, and Wes and Val Irons and their whole team, they take great good care of those kids. But more importantly, they teach them the gospel. They teach them the good news, how God loves them, and that there's, there's a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And, but you have them more than we do. So it's primarily your job. Say, well, Frank, I don't, I don't really know, know how to do that. Well, we're going to be talking about some ways you can uh, help you to do that. But having them connect with God is so very important. And we learned last week that it takes intentional time, intentional talk, and intentional truth. You have to be intentional about connecting your children with God. You have to be intentional about the time. Right now, we're all taking time in our life to come together and hear God's Word. And we are taking this time, and you were intentional about getting up today. You got dressed, maybe had some breakfast, maybe ironed some clothes, maybe didn't, you know, and you came here, and you were intentional about that. If you, if you are a parent, you brought your kids, maybe you drug your kids, you know, 
whatever. You're intentional about that. We have to be intentional uh, uh, about bringing your children to church or to opportunities to engage them and connect them with God and Bible study. Our, our students on Thursday nights, they meet at Lake Point Station. We meet at a family funfair park for Bible study. I mean, gosh, I mean, that's great. I mean, what, what, what youth group gets to do that? So we get to meet there, and many times they'll say, hey, why don't you just go play laser tag? And we're like, yeah, you know, it's great. And so, but you want to bring your kids, your teenagers, to Bible study. You say, well, I don't, I don't want to force them to do that. Well, do you force them to do their homework? Do you force them to brush their teeth? Do you make them clean their room? Well, those things are important, but shouldn't connecting with God be even more important? I'm not going to answer that question. That's the question you can answer. But we have an opportunity to be intentional with our time, to be intentional with our time, bringing them to church. Um, now, I said earlier, it's your responsibility to connect them with God at home. You say, well, I'll just do that at home. Well, but you need a team to help you. For example, our, do- our oldest uh, daughter, Madison, uh, she's right now, she's playing soccer at, at a college, and, uh, but there were times where, guess what? It was me and Madison teaching her soccer. Now, I've never played soccer before in my life. Never, never put on a soccer uniform. But guess what? As a child, I'm, I'm helping her with soccer. You may say, well, Frank, I've never really opened God's word. I don't really know. How do I do? Just sometimes just doing it, taking the time to do that. You're going to learn as you teach. I learned about soccer as I instructed my daughter. And soon I became her coach for three years, and I was her best coach. <laughs> but, but, but it takes, in order for her to understand soccer, I had to take her from outside the backyard between me and her and put her on a team. There's no way she would be playing a soccer in college if she wasn't on a team. Parent, you want to instruct your child at home, but there's no way they're going to grow into spiritual adulthood. They have very little chance of doing that unless you put them on a team. Today, this is a team. Children in the back, they're on a team. Our students on Thursday nights, they're part of a team. They're connecting with one another, and they're connecting with God. You know, my parents drug me to church every Sunday. And can I tell you something? I did not really jump to the next level of my Christian walk until I became a teenager. And in high school, what even in middle school, in high school, you know why? Well, you know, it wasn't my parents. I mean, they, you know, we, they connected me with God at home, but I needed something more. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't just a youth pastor. You know what it was? It was the other students in our, in our youth group. They challenged me, and they, they inspired me, and I wanted to be like some of them. And like, you know what? I can, I can, I can be a stronger believer if, if I do these things. And so... Bringing your kids to church is huge. So intentional time, intentional talks. Well, intentional talk is this, when you're riding in the car and you can have an intentional conversation. Don't let that time waste. 
uh, at bedtime, great time. When you're, when you're uh, tucking your kids in or, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll tuck in some of my older, you know, teenagers and stuff. But especially the younger kids, you can say, all right, what, what are the three things that you really liked about, the, about today? Or what are the three big things about this week that you remember that you really liked? And then connect that with God. You want to connect those things with God. You can have those intentional talks. And then intentional truth. You need to be able to separate the truth from the lies. Y'all, in this culture, our culture is doing things and teaching things and saying things that are contrary to what is in this book. You have to be intentional with the truth. But in order to be intentional with the truth, you have to read the truth. You have to read it. You have to read the truth. Well, I don't understand everything. Good, neither do I. I don't understand anything, everything. But guess what? The more I read, the more I get to understand. And the more God speaks to me, and I can speak that truth into our kids. So home is very, very important. Home plate is very important on teaching your kids to connect with God. Now, after you hit the ball, you run to first base. So let's visit first base. What does that mean? First base is all about building character. Building character, and it's about loving myself to make the right choices. And there's some few words down here we're gonna go over. But it's all about um, building character in your life, in your kid's life, and for them to understand the reason why they do that. So loving Loving themselves is all about making the right choices. Do you, have you ever thought about this? You want your kids to make the right choices, not because you said so, not because it's a law or the rule of the house. You want your kids to love themselves because it's the right thing to do for themselves. You want them to make good choices Good choices because they love themselves. Well, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna pick up things that my, my friends could be doing at school. I'm not gonna pick up certain habits, certain lifestyles from people at school. Why? Because I love myself too much to walk down that road. I know where that road leads. There comes to a point where your child needs to look themselves in the mirror and say, I'm not doing that because I care about myself too much. And it's not prideful I'm talking about. I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about valuing them as a person, themselves. Valuing them as a person. And one thing leads to another. Every little thing leads to another. Just like the bases all lead to another, every simple act leads to another. And we teach our kids that. And what that does, that builds character. And sometimes our kids do stupid things. We need to tell our kids stupid things create stupid actions. And stupid actions or stupid words create hurtful feelings toward others. So if you, if you do stupid, you, you, do, you are stupid. You know what I'm saying? And, and so one thing leads to another. I mean, you know, one of the best examples of this is, is some of the stupid acts that people do on trampolines. We have a trampoline in our yard. And we have a net around it, you know, but sometimes I'm looking out the kitchen window and I'm like, they shouldn't be doing that, you know? But, but there are some people that, man, they just go to the extreme and they just do stupid stuff. Like, let me show you this video right here. 
I love AFV. You know, that's the best entertainment. I mean, you could just, you know, put that on and just watch that for days, you know. Okay, how many of y'all have ever done something stupid like that? Raise your hand. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I'm, oh, I pastored this church. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, you do stupid, you get stupid, right? You do stupid, you get stupid. You know, not long ago, we had a hole in our, in our trampoline. It just kept getting bigger and bigger, and kids kept jumping on it. We're like, you know, this is going to bust. And eventually, we finally got, a, got another jumping pad. But, you know, one thing leads to another, just like we saw in this video. We need to teach our kids that one thing does lead to another. And so if, if, they, if they don't truly do things... Um, for themselves that, that, that doesn't hurt themselves, or if they, if they don't do stupid actions, then they're going, to, um, they're going to protect those people they love. The same is true reverse. If they do stupid things, make t- stupid decisions, then it's going to affect their relationships. It's going to affect those uh, on into, as we get into second base uh, next week, and it get, gets into uh, how we um, how we are, are uh, affecting those people around us, how we love them. And so the Apostle Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. He talks a little bit about this uh, simple little concept. If you would turn your scripture there, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Now, here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So, let's go back to this simple command. It all boils down to this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or love one another as yourself. You teach your kids, love your friends as yourself. If we focus on the part where it says as yourself, we can see that we can ask our kids, do you really love yourself? Do you really love yourself? Because if you don't love yourself, if you don't love the person God made you, if you don't love yourself enough to make good choices, then those bad choices are going to affect others, which means you're not loving them. Why? Because you don't love God. And, and it's difficult for our kids to, to value themselves unless they know the one who created them. Parents, that's why it's important to go back to home plate and teach your kids to connect with God. The more they connect with God, the more they they understand what Jesus did for them, then the more they're going to understand, wow, he's got a plan for me. He's got a design for me. He's done this for, for me. Why? So I can become this person, the person he designed me to be. And so because of that, I'm going to live my life as a living sacrifice of worship unto God. And so I'm not going to just do certain things that's going to harm me. Why? Because I'm precious in God's sight. I'm precious in God's sight. God loves me. When our kids know that, when they truly understand that, 
they will understand that because God loves them, that they can make good choices and effect that will affect the relationships with other people. So all of this builds characters. They love themselves by doing the right thing. And so how do we raise kids with character? How do we raise kids with character? By, by loving themselves, by doing the right thing. So how do we do that? Well, there's, there's several models of sort of parenting. And, and you know, we have done these different models. You, as parents, you may have done some of these different models of parenting. And, um, and some, these first two that I'm going to share with you right now have um, some, some downsides to them. So um, this right here, ruled by discipline without emotion. So the first, um, the first model is ruled by discipline without emotion. So if you're taking notes in the back of your bulletin, you can fill that in. Ruled by discipline without emotion. So that is one model uh, that, that we have. And it's basically um, those parents who would often say something like, kids should be seen and not heard. So basically, you're telling your kids, look, you will do this. And it's all about discipline. You will abide by my rules. And, and you don't provide much care or much love. And if you're, if you're always on to your kids all the time, discipline, 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 well, then they don't really get the connection. They don't really get the heart behind the parenting. They get the discipline behind the parenting, yeah. They don't get the heart behind the parenting. And so you want to you wanna watch out for this and, and catch yourself when this happens because discipline without emotion is inhumane. The discipline without emotion is inhumane. It's like you're, you're, you're teaching your kids to be robots. You will do these things, and that's it. And I tell you, as a parent, it's easy to do that. It's easy to go there. <laughs> there are times when it's like, okay, everybody, to the, you know, come, come to the living room. Everybody comes around, and we, I, send the, I send the word out. You know, it takes a few minutes, all right? So where they're, wherever they're at. So they come to the living room, and then we just lay out the law. Hey, this is what we got. We got to do this, this, and this, and this. Okay, now go do it. Go. <laughs> and we're guilty of doing that also. But to be able to share with them to do those things and the why, and why it's important to them, why it's important to the family, is a whole other level. So that's one model of being ruled by discipline without emotion. Another model is, is, is the opposite, ruled by emotion without discipline. What happens in this model is that feelings get the driver's seat. Instead of overcorrecting your kids, you're undercorrecting your kids. Oh, you, you want to you wanna do this? You, just, you feel like doing this? Great. I don't care. That's good. That's good. Just go ahead. You know, if you want to leave your room like it is, you know, that's fine. You, I mean, if you feel better, if you feel better about just having things sprawled, <laughs> sprawled out on the floor and half-eaten food, you know, that's collecting roaches, you know, that's fine. And I know you can kind of be sarcastic with that, but there are some parents that they, don't, they, they can care less. They, they can just care less about, uh, uh, you know, about this. And so they just, it's all about the feeling. 
And, it, and really in our culture, in our culture, we live in a culture where if it feels good, do it. You've heard that before, right? Yeah. If it feels good, do it. Well, that's, that's not really what God's intent was. And that's something that our culture has adopted. In fact, it's to the point, students, you may, you may know this as well, you get to the point to where whatever it feels, if it feels good and it's right, then that must be, it must be real. It must be real. I mean, if I feel like going out with some friends and drinking a little bit, and that feels good, well, it must be right, because there's some other people that are doing it, and it's right. I mean, there, I know there, uh, there are parents, because it happened to me in high school, there are parents who will buy alcohol for their kids in order for them to have a party, bring their friends over. Hey, I want you to, I want you to feel like you're fitting in. I want you to feel like you're, you're involved. I want you to feel like that you're accepted by your other friends. So let's have a party. And so, so we let feelings be the deciding factor. Emotions without discipline is immature. Emotions without discipline is immature. Just like discipline without emotion is, is, is inhumane, emotion without discipline is immature. Go back to Galatians chapter 5. In the next verse where we stopped, one verse 16 through 18, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So when, when it talks about the flesh, it's talking about feelings. He's talking about what, what we feel, what we want, what we desire. And so we're not to gratify the desires of the flesh. We are, we are to gratify, we are to be led by the Spirit, not by our feelings. And I tell you what, parents, um, this is something, this is a struggle for our kids, students. This is a struggle for you. I know. I was there. Especially if you have if you have invited Christ into your life, you have certain feelings that you want to do. You have certain things, you have certain desires that you want. But then you also have this little voice inside you going, no, that's not really my plan for you. I don't want you to do those things. And you have this constant struggle. And so parents, we have to guide our kids into that. We have to help our kids. And one of the ways we can help our kids is to share our kids, look, when you're in that battle, when you're in that struggle between your desires or your feelings versus being led by the Spirit, you know who's going to win? The one that you feed the most. The one that you feed the most. I mean, in our house, I think Landon, our oldest son, has become the strongest in our house. Now, I feel like I could still take him out if I needed to, but, but I think he's a strong, he benches more than me. He, I mean, he's, he's a rock. He's a rock. You know, why? Because he works out 
and we feed him the most. Oh my gosh, the food that goes in this kid. I mean, it's amazing what this guy can eat. I mean, he'll have a whole plate of meat. I mean, no, I'm just huge. We need to buy a cow and slaughter it. So, so I, you know, he is, he, he's strong physically, yes. Same way with, with, with our teenagers and parents. You can use this as well. We need to teach our teenagers, but look, the one that you feed the most is the one that's going to win. Arm wrestling, Lana's going to win. Why? Because we're feeding the most. And so, same with our walk. Same with uh, the battle between fleshly desires, our feelings, and the spirit. The one that you feed the most. So, that's why it's important to bring them on the team on Sundays, on Thursdays, or whatever. And to get them involved in something where they're hearing the word of God. Even right now, students are listening and they're being they're, they're, they're being instructed on things that can help them with the battle that they face. And parents, don't think they don't face it, because they do. Students, we know you face it. And we're here to help you, and we're here to pray for you. And students, I want to encourage you, allow your parents to help you. Allow your parents to help you. Yeah, I know I know we, we may not know the latest thing to say or the latest thing to, to wear. You know, I know we don't spend $80 on a T-shirt. We get that. You know, but, but just you want to respect your parents in the way that they're just trying to help. So when they drag you to church, when they drag you to church, they're doing it because they love you. They're doing that because they love you, because they want you to understand it's more than just the time you have it with your parents at the house. You've got to get on the team. So this, uh, this idea of being led by the Spirit is, uh, is something we've got to, we've got to teach, our, teach our kids. So first base is about parenting your kids through this internal conflicts, conflict. And as we continue in verse 19 of Galatians chapter 5, Verse 19 through 21, it says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. So you say, what are those feelings? What are those things? Well, here's some, here, here Paul lays it out right here. Here's some of the acts. Sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Some people say, think that just having, having sex outside of marriage is sexual immorality, which that's true. Maybe that's it. Mm, it goes further beyond than that. Sexual immorality is looking at things with your eyes that you know you shouldn't be looking at, okay? Porn is a way of sexual morality, okay? Alternative lifestyle, okay? The, the movement in our culture, okay? The, the gay and lesbian agenda, okay? That, that's, that's sexual immorality. An, an adult who's married having an affair with someone, that's sexual immorality, Sexual, all of those is sexual morality. It, that's not Frank saying that. That's God's word says that. I, I didn't make the rules. God made the rules because they're his standards. And if I'm a follower of Christ, then I'm going to want to do those and live by that. But sexual morality, we got to teach our kids. Again, the whole thing of intentional truth. So sexual immorality is huge. That's just the first one. 
impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. Okay, what are, you know, we don't, we may not have idols in our house, but you may have an idol in your pocket. What's the first thing you look at every day? You may have an idol in your pocket. I'm guilty of that myself. Some mornings I get up, you know, maybe the world exploded, you know, whatever. But, but you got to teach your kids that idolatry is something that is following the flesh. Um, hatred, discord, jealousy. Man, jealousy is big in, 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 with our students, with our kids, even in some of our parents. Um, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't mean that okay, if, you, if you make a mistake, and maybe you had that lifestyle before, but then you, you have surrendered your life to Jesus, and, and now you're moving on, you're repentant from that lifestyle, and you're going towards a lifestyle of, of following Christ. If you surrendered your life, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. If you've done some of those things, Jesus has forgotten those things, and you're a new person. You're bought with the blood of Jesus. And even as you're, as you're a young believer, if you fall into those things every now and then, and then repent of those and confess and say, God, I need your help. I need to be loved by the Spirit. But I'm talking about, the Bible says if, you, if, you are, if you're living your life on a daily basis on these things, and you're not heeding the conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you don't have Jesus in you, and you're not doing these things, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Again, not my words, God's word. And so, as we try to help our kids understand this battle that's facing, and to help them through this, between following after the flesh, those feelings, and the spirit, we can um, encourage our kids by saying, look, these are some of the things that uh, can happen if you do this. And, and you know, we see, this, we see people live their life in this immature zone all the time. Like, for instance, TV reality shows. There's some TV reality shows, reality TV shows that, that it's basically adults acting like children. Have you ever watched that thing? You said, that's crazy. Why did they act like that? Why? Because they're immature. They're immature. They're living a life, of, uh, they were raised maybe just with emotions without any discipline. So we have a couple of models here, but there is an alternative. There is an alternative model I want to share with you today. And... We can look at it in verse 22 and 23. 22 and 23. Now, we have shared this passage several times um, here at Lake Point Church. I know that Jackson has shared this with his students. But this right here is something, is, is a verse that you probably would want to put to memory, encourage your kids to do this. But so what is a life being led by the Spirit? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Forbearance or, or peace or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. 
So if we're living life by the Spirit, then we're going to have peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness. We're going we're to display those things. But that takes self-control. It takes self-control. Parents, the goal from raising your kids to adulthood is to the point to where, and kids, students, hear me out. Your parents are getting you to this point. To where you as parents don't need to be telling them what to do all the time and instructing them, and that they do that by themselves. It's self-control. It's self-control. They make their own choices by themselves. Yesterday, I spent a lot of time in the yard, and we're cutting down some limbs and and mow the grass, but I spent probably five hours or more just in our woods, just kind of cleaning it out, and I asked uh, Lawson to, uh, to come and help me. I asked Lincoln, too. Lincoln, Lincoln helps. Lincoln just, he's Lincoln, you know. But Lawson came out there, and you know, I, I didn't get on to him at all. I was just like, hey, come, come help me. That's all I said, come help me. So I invited him out there. We were working hard. And he'd go in and take a break, say, why don't you go to lunch? And I just kept working through lunch. And after lunch, I walked into the house and said, hey, if you're done with lunch, why don't you come help me? And he never complained. He walked out there, and I, I didn't have to pull him out of the house again. And he worked hard. Uh, he even did some things on his own. He saw me, like the kind of branches I was cutting, and he, I gave him a tool, and he was doing that. And I was on one side of the yard, and he was on the other, and he was taking care of business. And that was an example of, rather than me telling him over and over again, you got you to work, you got to work, you got to work. Instead, I gave him the option. So I invited him to come out, but if he went back inside and stayed there, I wouldn't have got him. Why? Because I want him to know, I want him to learn the importance of wanting to make that, dis- that decision, that choice on his own. So what was his reward? I gave him some money. I can't remember if I've ever given Lawson money for doing something. It's usually like dessert, hey, have some ice cream, you know, that sort of thing. But I pull out my wallet, and something I very, very rarely have is cash, but I pulled out my wallet and had cash. And yesterday evening, I took a wad of cash and said, Lawson, and his eyes were like, whoa. I said, Lawson, this is for you. Why? Because you worked hard and I didn't have to get after you and you did it on your own. And so that's where we want to try to get our, our, our kids to the point. Now, has Lawson arrived? No. We're still working on Lawson to grow into adulthood, but, but at least we saw some light yesterday that things are clicking, that things are going on. So the alternative is a rule by self-control. We want our kids to be able to make those choices to be ruled by self-control, and that is the alternative. Uh, this is emotion with discipline. This is emotion with discipline, meaning... What I did in the story with Lawson, I wanted him to come out. 
and he came out, and then I allowed him to kind of do some things on his own, and guess what? I gave him some money. I valued him. It showed, it wasn't just about the money, it was just the fact that, wow, dad acknowledged that. I, he, must think, he must think that's important for me, to, for me to help him. Well, that right there is discipline with emotion. And that right there is the best way to teach your kids self-control. So what are the qualities we're going after? There's a few, few words here, uh, a few phrases here uh, under, uh, in your outline there. And so one ways we could do that is um, with, uh, with self-control is, number one, be honest. Be honest. In our house, in our house, the truth is something we are always after in our house. Oh, my goodness. We are ready to install cameras Parents, are you ready to install some cameras? Yes, yes. Can I get an amen? Yes, absolutely. We're ready to install cameras. And I mean everywhere. Why? Because we're after the truth. We're after the truth. You know, I mean, we, we raise a trash can and there's a half-eaten apple. We're like, okay, who, who ate half the apple? And we line them up and everybody's like, I didn't have an apple. I didn't have an apple. I didn't have an apple. And it's like, are you kidding me? We're always after the truth. And so truth is so important. But, but we need to teach our kids, if you lie, you lose. Rather than t- telling your kids, okay, so we don't know the truth. Well, guess what? Everybody's grounded for the next week, you know, until we could go there. And we've done that before. Didn't pan out too great because nobody talks. Or we could say, oh, there's an app on there. Oh, well, whatever. You know? So we could either be too controlling or not controlling enough, or we could settle in the middle and say, all right, I'm going to share with you guys something. If you lie, you lose. And here's how you lose. Because you're building up the lie, and you know you got away with it. And you will constantly lose. And, and he, here's the most important thing. The goal, parents, is not to get your kids. So, parents, your goal is not to get your kids to tell the truth. Your goal is to get your kids to tell themselves the truth. To tell themselves the truth. It's not about you getting the truth so you feel good as a parent. Ah, I got him. I got him. It's important to teach your kids to be truthful to themselves. Because you don't want your kids living in a, in a culture of lies. You don't want to be in a culture of lies. Oh, you want to be, have, have a lifestyle of lies? You want to be, be surrounded by lies? Okay, then, and then how about this? You want to go to your friends? Great. Ah, I lied. Oh, you want, you want some dessert? You want some dessert? Oh, oh no, I, no, I, I lied. No, you don't want that. You don't want that lifestyle of lies. You don't want to teach your kids to be to be truthful to themselves. So, be honest is one. The second one is be thankful. Be thankful. Be, why? Because selfish is always ungrateful. We're, gosh, we're we're always teaching our kids to be thankful about something because. It seems like every day we come along something and our kids are ungrateful 
about something. We give them so much. And there's this ungrateful attitude. We want to teach our kids to be thankful. Because why? Because that will affect their relationships as we get on down from base to base. Uh, I, I love this. I'm going to show you here a clip in just a second uh, of a clip of how, what does ungrateful look like. Here's a, a video of what ungrateful looks like. But we're at this Taco Bell drive-thru, right? And uh, we get, it takes us 15 minutes. We get all the kids' orders, whatever, whole, okay. We get all the bags, get the money, get the food, throw the bags in the back. We drive off. second later, one of my sons starts complaining in the back. He's like, I didn't order hard shell taco. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> I said nachos. She goes, oh, my sweetie, I'm so sorry, honey. Give me the tacos. I am, dang it, sorry about that, sweetie. Nacho, shut up. Okay, I've never been more attracted to you than I am right now. I feel so dirty. Can you make daddy some nachos later, baby? It's all about your little special orders. It didn't used to be like that when I was a kid, not at all. My dad would have a car full of us. He would pull up to a McDonald's drive-thru, order an apple pie for himself, and drive away. <laughs> My brother on the back seat like Oliver Twist. Father, can we have some crumbs from the pie, Father? Can we but smell the pie, Father? <laughs> Don't you just want to do that? Just like, okay, yeah. But, but our kids are so ungrateful sometimes. We want to be, teach them to be thankful for what they have. Again, this is all about self-control. Teaching the kids to be thankful for what they have. To be honest, be thankful, and last but not least, to pay, then play. To pay, and then play. And what this means is this. Look, you've got to do certain things first, and do, do the things you want to do. Can I tell you something? In the Bennett household, this is the big topic for us. Because our kids are like, we tell them to do something, we'll be out on a date. Last night, we, Susanna and I went out on a date and we called the kids, hey, I need you to do this. Okay, get home, it's not done. Why? Because they were doing something that they really liked and they didn't stop and they forgot about it. Parents, has that ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it happens all the time. And so what you want to do is you want to teach your kids and students, I'm telling you what, it's going to have positive effects on you if you learn this simple concept, pay, then play, pay, then play. Do your homework on Friday night, not Sunday night. Clean your room now so you could do some things later. You know, you want to take care of those things that, are, that, that you have to do. I know it's not fun. I know it's not fun to pay something. And I don't mean like pay with money. Just pay with your time. Pay, then play. So you teach your kids those things, and it teaches them uh, delayed gratification. And it teaches them maturity as they grow older. older. Well, as we close out um, in, in this uh, message 
I'm going to close that with verse 24 and 25. Verse 24 and 25, it says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And so we want to be lived by the Spirit. How do we do that? We crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. But notice it says at the beginning of, the, of, of verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus. So let me ask you this. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? Is Jesus Christ living in your heart? Is he living in your life? Is he living right where he should live, the most important place in your life? Has he taken ownership in your life?